From Westside Church in Bend, Oregon, you're listening to Behind the Message. take you behind what we teach here at Westside. I'm Ben Fleming. I'm uh, I'm Evan Earwicker. We are having a tough time this evening. (laughs) You wish you were Ben Fleming. I wish I was Ben Fleming, but I am not. And we are here for the first time. We are live here at Westside Church. How you doing? 530. There it is. All right. And, uh, and for this week's podcast, we have a very uh, special time that we're going to be doing this live. And we have with us our Pastor Bo Stern. Hi, Bo. I really am Bo Stern. That's you right. Are. Yep. You are. Not Ben. You are not, not Ben Fleming. <laughs> uh, we're thankful for that. Yes. <laughs> well, Bo, we are talking through some of the most watched and talked about messages of the past year. And uh, one of your messages from the Emotionally Healthy series came onto that list, and it's uh, the discussion that you let us in, the message you let us in on emotional health in singleness and marriage. Yes. So a good topic mm-hmm. for the rowdy 530 crowd. Yeah, I it think. was just perfect for them. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to talk about this and to kind of launch this, uh, we have a video clip from that message that you gave early on in this year. So let's take a look. Where you are right now is God's place for you. Live and believe and obey and love right there. God, not your marital status, defines your life. So we have that from Paul, God, not your marital status. But I do think that in the church especially, in society in general, statistics show that absolutely couples are valued more highly than singles. That's just what the, that's not me. I'm not making it up. That's what the research shows. Couples are more highly valued and apparently more fun to be with. Many of us single people would take issue with that. We're pretty fun. But um, that's what the research shows. And I think especially in the evangelical church, married people, marriage has been sort of the, the idea. It's been the aspiration. Maybe it's because of things like the church where I read their young adults group's name is Pears and Spares. Maybe that. <laughs> I don't know. Ben changed the name of our group right oh, yeah. after that. Yeah. So it was good. Tuesday night. That was Pears intuitive, Pears Ben. really should have been what I kept it. <laughs> uh, Bo, in your message, you kind of talked about the history um, from Jewish culture and the Hebrew culture to today. Tell us a little bit about how marriage versus singleness has been viewed in the church. Yeah, so Hebrew culture, you needed to be married by 20 or you were pretty much a, f- a failure. And then all the way through the early church, we were, we're seeing that be the custom. And then with, with the, as we moved into Catholicism, which was the only Christian church we had from the first century on, their singleness was prioritized. And if you were very spiritual, you were also very single. So the monastic lifestyle kind of took over at that point. And then in the Reformation, marriage was reintroduced as the thing to do and be in the evangelical church. And it remains so today, I believe. Yeah. People and would argue, but I believe that it's still highly prized in an American culture in yeah. general. And you are in an interesting spot because you were married for how many years? Almost 30. And then uh, your husband Steve passed away and you've been now single. Two and a half two years. And, two and a half years. Yeah. So you have seen, uh, kind of you're in the thick of seeing how you feel inside the church setting, right. both as a married person and now as a single person. Yeah. And I was at church alone for a long a long time of that too for, for probably the last six years or so I've been I felt kind of single at church 
Do we do a, a disservice to single people in church? Oh, I think we do. And I'm so, I'm so sorry to marry people. I, I know how I would feel listening five years ago, but really it is a different animal being in the church single. There's just a, the illustrations tend to be toward married people. We talk about things like paying mortgages and fighting with our spouse and those kinds of things. And, um, I, and I'm not even, I haven't even been single very long. And so maybe I'm especially sensitive to it, or maybe I'm not, I'm not enough sensitive to it. But yeah, we tend to, our, our message tends to go towards sort of a demographic. And I think for a long time, um, the church in America has been looking at that idea of preaching to a demographic. I think we've talked about, you know, uh, what was it, Willow Creek Wayne, you know, who's about 40 years old and married with three kids and $50,000 income. And so that kind of mid-demographic. And for the, a long time, the church has been looking for a sweet spot to kind of craft their message to. And it really is almost never single people. Yeah. Yeah. Why does it carry that kind of baggage? You talked about in your message this idea of uh, it triggers shame, fear, and discontentment for single people. And sometimes that's even brought, up, brought into the church. Why, why do those things, why are those things the baggage that comes along with it? Why aren't we maybe even a little bit more naturally inclined to be like, no, this is okay. This is a, a part of life where I'm waiting or I'm experiencing this right now as opposed to just jumping into, I mean, especially this time of year. I would say any of the single people, you've probably been more sensitive to it the last week than ever, but we have just entered into engagement season. Yeah, uh, man. As Thanksgiving all, all happens, the families man. gather together, everybody's getting engaged, and it carries on through Christmas. Um, and we, 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 especially the single people, often say, well, you know, everybody's getting married or having babies. Mm-hmm. Um, why does it bring along with it shame, fear, and discontentment? I think it's just that idea of maybe feeling like the unchosen one. I do. And some, some of it's just lonely. I decorated my tree alone today. But not a giant deal, but still a deal. It's a thing. Um, and I think just that thing, and I, I ran this by a lot of single people before I said it, because I was sitting here one Sunday, and somebody was talking about shame. It wasn't me. It was a, another message. And and I remember thinking, that's what it is. When I walk to my, when I go out with my couple friends, and I walk to my car alone at the end of the night, and they're all walking to their cars as couples, I feel unchosen. And that's silly. They don't make me feel that way, and there's nothing they could do to help me not feel that way except not invite me. And that's also a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so don't I invite that... <laughs> single people to do anything. <laughs> oh, that's Ignore not them. Yeah. Just look away. <laughs> and so, I mean, and, and I'm sure not every single person feels that way, but I do. And I got lots of confirmation from people in lots of age ranges on that because I, I recognize that I'm older and I'm in a different season than other people and have been through different things. But, yeah, it's a strange thing. It's that feeling of, like, just not having been, not not being a chosen, chosen. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Even I was thinking about this with myself around the holidays because uh, we have some single relatives that are hitting the 30 mark soon. And uh, naturally, just the conversation <laughs> just from my own life turns from, man, yeah, the kids that I have are so stinging exhausting and we're trying to figure this all out and put everything together. And, you know, sometimes I just want to spend a lot more time alone. <laughs> hey, why haven't you found someone yet? You know, experience this incredible miracle that I'm relating to you right now. Yes. <laughs> it's funny how we can even talk about both sides of the issue in, in, in such a way, you know? Yeah, that was something single people expressed to me being really frustrated with. And it, again, it's not something I experienced because I'm old and have kids and all of that. But that thing of like married people are like, just take your time. Don't worry about getting married. It's hard. It is. Look at my kid. And then they're, the first thing they ask them when they see them is, are you dating? dating anyone. Right. And it's, so it's that odd kind of feeling of like,
like who's who's happy in their life state we want to know we want to look to people and say that looks good but i want to be content where i'm at so it's a tricky one is is being match made a positive thing, an insulting thing, or somewhere in the middle for single people, do you think? Isn't that funny? I asked a lot of people, and I got, I got a lot of answers. I think overall, it really depends who's doing the matchmaking, you know? <laughs> I really think it does. Some people would rather roll the dice on Tinder, and some will trust, you know, like their Aunt Elsie to set them up with the, whoever. I suppose who you're being <laughs> match made with, it's either an insult or a compliment. Also I that, suppose. Yeah. yeah. I mean, people yeah. sometimes think their nephew in Des Moines is, is, is more of a catch than he really is. <laughs> there's, no, there's no other way to soften that up. I think we could say more often he's uh, less of a catch than <laughs> somebody than Aunt Elsie actually thinks he is. Why is he a spare? That's what we want to know. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I, sometimes they like it and sometimes they don't. But yeah. I would suggest to single people be open to possibilities. <laughs> um, some comments are coming in. This one says... I bet they are. <laughs> <laughs> it is still surreal to me that I am the one doing this. Thing it's on strange. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, this comment came in. It says, please say happy birthday, Spencer. And it's, it's from Pastor Spencer. So happy, <laughs> happy birthday, birthday, my friend. <laughs> Spencer, you're turning 30 tomorrow, I believe. And uh, so, yeah, happy birthday, man. We love you. So, and uh, way to shout out to yourself. So that's great. <laughs> there you go. A lot of love for Spencer. Or sorry, your boy, Spencer. Is yeah, how you said it, right? Spencer. That's it. That's it. So, Bo, uh, some people know this, some people don't. You were my youth pastor. Yeah. Um, a lot of my middle school and high school, uh, you, were, you and Steve were my youth pastors. Mm -hmm. The advice you gave me on dating back then, would you change it today? Mm -hmm. Has your view on um, people dating like early on in life, teenagers, young adults, has that changed through the years for you? So you're talking about the advice I gave you or the advice you followed? Uh, Which one of those? I, I didn't follow any of it, so it <laughs> has to be the advice you gave. Yeah. <laughs> this podcast just got interesting. Oh, it got real. Um, some of it would be the same, and some of it would change. I, I mean, that sounds like a cop-out answer, but really I was very— I, we, A lot of the dating advice we gave back then was fear-based. Like, you're standing at the top of a precipice, and if you date, you're probably going to fall. You're probably going to ruin somebody or break somebody's heart or ruin your future or whatever. And I wouldn't ever counsel anyone to, to make a decision out of fear anymore, I don't think. And, and also, I think some of it was shame-based. And so that I would ask your forgiveness for, because ugh. Um, but some of it I really still stand with that I think we're too cavalier about um, taking people's hearts into our hands and not caring for them the way that God would want us to. I think we don't honor people enough in dating relationships. And I think that that's really, really important. Um, older single people who have kids have a bunch of watching eyes and have to do it sort of a different way. And I kind of wish that younger people had that same sort of pressure. Because yeah. I think it's just important to know that God, God is watching, and he cares how you handle your dating relationships. He really does, and I think there's a good way and a bad way. No, I think there's a lot of good ways, and I think there are a couple of bad ways. Yeah. But I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't take it so seriously, yeah. probably, now. I want to talk about um, not just single uh, people and talking to them now, but also married people. In your message, you talked about triggers uh, for negative things in married people's lives, and the three things you listed in your message were comparison, 
disappointment and familiarity. Yeah. Can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, I, I did a lot of research, uh, especially with Gottman's and Sue Johnson and some other, some other researchers and doctors that are doing great work on marriage right now. And, and some of the killers for, for good marriage relationships are comparing what we have to what other people have, whether it's the person we have or the things that other couples have or the relationships they seem to pull off or whatever. And then um, comparison and then, uh, dis- what was the other, what was the second one? Uh, disappointment, disappointment, familiarity. Yeah, disappointment of my life just didn't turn out the way I thought or this hasn't, this, ha- this relationship didn't go the way I thought it would go or just marriage in general isn't as fulfilling and wonderful and magical as I pictured it when I was watching that Hallmark movie when I was single, that kind of thing. Um, I can't help you there. And, um, and then familiarity where we just get used to someone and we forget why we were friends to begin with and um, stop paying attention to each other and stop um, responding to one another's bids for connection and just start to respond to everything else first. And so all of those things, and all of those things, by the way, are things that I can look back on in my marriage and say, I wish I would have done that different, and I wish I would have done that better. And so for me, those, those also matched up. Hmm. I, I had a mentor once before I was married, when I was engaged to my wife, Alyssa, um, tell me, and I don't think the advice was good, but he said, just be careful that you're not too romantic now and then stop in your marriage because then she'll think that you don't love her as much anymore. Expectations real so, low. <laughs> so I was like, okay, cool. I guess I just won't buy her flowers or be romantic at all, just so I can keep that well, expectation. you took the advice. I did. Wow. And it took me years to be like, oh, wait, that's probably a bad way to approach this. Yeah. And uh, my wife confirmed that. That, that was a bad way <laughs> right. to approach that. So I'm sorry, that's Alyssa, tough. if you're listening. So there's got to be, there's a little bit of a line in there somewhere because you could make the argument that, um, except for disappointment, but there's something with familiarity and comparison. There, there are little pieces in there that can be good things, not necessarily comparison, but, um, but you think about being inspired by someone. You look mm-hmm. at a, another married couple and you go, man, they're doing something well. I want to mm-hmm. learn something from them. Or familiarity, one of my favorite parts about marriage is just knowing who the person is, you know, and it's, it's, it's a good, comfortable, uh, but of course you can move too far into that area of familiarity too. Is, is there a way that we can kind of navigate some of those yeah. lines when we're in those relationships? Yeah. I, my, the person that I'm dating and I like to start with questions a lot when we have a meal together, we'll just ha- ask questions. And one of the questions we ask each other a lot is, is there a couple that you see who really seems like they're doing it right? Um, and it's kind of, sometimes hard to find. I mean, there's some people you know that look right, but you that you really know that's a couple I admire and I love their relationship. My yeah. parents are a couple like that. And so we talk about that, not in a way of like, man, you're really a terrible boyfriend, but, <laughs> but in the way of like, how could that be applied? What What is working there so that we can apply what's working? Actually, the research that's come out recently in the last few years is interesting because for years we were studying why marriages fell apart, but we weren't studying why they stayed together. And then when they started really studying what made marriages work, what are all... The, the things that were in common were not what they thought. It wasn't that they were so immediately compatible or they didn't fight. They did fight. Or they weren't sarcastic. A lot of them were sarcastic. Or they didn't avoid confrontation. Some of them did. Um, the things that they all have in common are not rock and science. They're like... 
they kiss when they see each other, and they're glad to see each other, and they don't take cheap shots, and they don't roll their eyes when each other is talking, mm. and they respond to one another's bids for connection at least, I feel like it's like six out of ten times or something, they respond so that they they know that I see you and you're really there. Yeah. And so it's really interesting to see. And I think that's good sometimes to look at other relationships and say, okay, that's working. Not I wish I had that, but I wish we... Let, let's let's make sure we work on a relationship because I think that's to me it seems like the number one thing that goes bad with couples is they stop working at it. Mm-hmm. We got a text message that came in said, "How do you start a relationship with someone and still deepen your relationship with God, or do you deepen your relationship with God before furthering a relationship with someone?" Well, I think always, always pursuing relationship with Jesus, no matter what season you find yourself in, is so so important. And um, I, I think that it, you can't deepen your relationship with God if you're dating someone who doesn't inspire you to do that. I, that always trips me up when I see people that, that connect their lives with someone who can't, you can't join together and say, kingdom come into our relationship and through our lives. And so I think that to me is the main thing is to, to you know, be with someone who also pushes you toward Jesus, who also wants you to grow that way. You never want to feel like it's a competition between my spending time with him or time with the person that I love. It should be like together we feel his, we feel his smile. We feel his pleasure in this relationship. That's good. How has dating been um, now at your age post a marriage versus when you were a teenager dating Steve, marrying Steve? You, You got married young, yeah? Yeah, 19. 19. Mm-hmm. Um, so mature. Though. What are the things, <laughs> what are the things um, dating now uh, in your early 40s, early, early 40s? <laughs> You're yeah. my favorite. <laughs> You're my favorite. Um, that I mean, have maybe. You've got time. Thank you. But that was good. Thank you. Sorry, he beat me to the punch. It's on the script here. You know. 52. Yeah. You know what? I wish I could package up what I feel at 52 and give it to newbies. Little, huh. you know, it feels like they're kids now who are dating. Because I just care so much about about. treating the relationship with great care. I just care a lot about that and not getting lazy and not letting it just kind of fall and take care of itself. Or I don't want to slip into that familiarity thing. I want to remember this is, this is a real gift and it's a gift to, to be able to spend time with someone that you feel affinity for. Um, uh, so that's, that's good. I, I think that while we have very full lives, like when you're younger, you can spend, you can hang out till two in the morning and no problem. We cannot do that. We don't live in the same city. We have 10 kids between us. Um, we have two careers and two cities and two, so many things. Um, but we also, it, though it's more complicated and complex to maintain a relationship at this age, I can see the fruit of his life and he can see the fruit of mine. There's a lot established in our lives. We can see what kind of parents we are, what kind of work ethic we have, what kind of relationships we have. So I think that's really good. And I think I said on the last one, you can afford better dates. <laughs> that's very true. <laughs> I, would, I would imagine dating, and, and you have a job that's kind of in the public eye to a large degree. You get or maybe you did get before you started this relationship or in the beginnings of it. So a lot of input and (laughs) I'm sure it's all great too. Um, but I know that one of the things that I talk to about with single people, sometimes that they, man, they say a lot of people want to speak into my life about this. There's just so much input and I don't Mm -hmm. always know exactly what to do with all of it. So can you, can you speak to that at all? 
Yeah, it's like when you're little and you get the new set of Legos and all your cousins come in and want to start putting it together. <laughs> you're just like, just, just let me put it together. Give me some peace. Um, a little bit like that. Um, I think it's really good to have people in your life who can tell you the truth and who you tell everything to and you, you, know, and you know they know God and know you um, and will be straight with you. I think that's really good. And then once you have those people, I think the rest of the you know, then it's the cheap seats outside of that. Um, not that you don't listen ever to any other thing, but I think predominantly you have a few people that can speak into your life and tell you um, what they see. I have four women in my life who have known every detail of the relationship, and, and both me and the, the guy that I'm dating have good therapists and have, have been committed to that for a long time. And so um, I really listen to those people, and I determined that those four women... If, unless it was unanimous, I wouldn't move forward. I mean, I have, I don't want to, I don't want to make a mistake, and yeah. I don't think mistakes are fatal. But I want to do well. That's good. And so um, I think having some people that speak in, and then you can always say, "Thanks for your input, but I have people speaking into my life." You know, I know you have good ideas, but share them or share them. Go tell my people that, and if they decide I need to hear it, they can tell me. Yeah. Or post that opinion on your Facebook wall about post me. Yeah. <laughs> just didn't mention that. See, see who agrees and I'll listen. Yeah. Uh, this question came in. It said, is singleness still technically considered singleness when you're dating? In other words, are you single in the eyes of God until you're married? Or I would add, is there a third category of committed to someone but not in covenant marriage? Sure. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what the rules are or the labels or whatever. And I know there are people who would say, oh, you're not really single because you're in a committed relationship. And th that's fine. I don't, I, I feel pretty single every day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But, you know, I'm open to the idea of single but dating is one thing. Um, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and another one, uh, what advice would you give to someone who is losing hope in finding their someone? Oh, man. That question makes me a little bit sad. I, I just keep believing. I do think it's a weird time. Don't you think it's a weird time in this generation? I think it's a weird time. I don't see people dating like they used to. Or, and I, I want to, I, I want to believe that relationships are going to happen and that people are going to come together and multiply the kingdom of God through their just love for each other and their love for the world. And I think two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. I think people can be happy and satisfied single, and I think that's fantastic. But, for, but I do wish that there seemed to be more of a, a movement that said, let's create and cultivate, let's create families and cultivate and do these good things. Um, so I, I would say, you know, yeah, keep, keep seeking... God for what he has for your life. And, and I personally, I don't, no one has to agree with me, but if I really wanted to meet someone and I was stuck in a city that didn't have any people, I'd probably go somewhere else. Yeah. I'm, I probably so would. So get out wouldn't of here. You, wouldn't yeah. anyone do that? I mean, if, I mean, you leave yeah. to get a job, right. Right. you leave to, you know, you leave to go to school, you leave to pursue other things. And this is an important thing. Yeah. So. I do hear that there are not many great single men in Bend. So, any single men out there that are willing to say, I beg to I differ? Am a Anybody? Great single man. <laughs> one hand went up. <laughs> ladies, ladies, right back there. <laughs> My favorite thing is sitting at a table, and this happens a lot because I spend a lot of time with young adults with, you know, a lot of single girls and single guys, and all of them at once are going, There's just nobody in this town. <laughs> I'm sick of it. I'm looking everywhere, and I'm like, Well, you got. There's never mind. That guy. No, never mind. No, it's fine. <laughs>
years ago, uh, churches would would intentionally put on things like mixers mm-hmm. and socials. Oh, I get that question so, a lot. I need somebody old. Mike, what do they used to call them? <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> spares and pears. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, they do, and we get that question a lot, and it's just it's it's tricky to to tackle something like that. I, yeah. um, it's not something we do here at Westside. And and maybe that is part of the problem when we go that route that again, we're saying, well, marriage is, is the thing. It's the mm-hmm. only way to be happy. It's the only way to find contentment. Mm-hmm. But what you're saying is Paul is encouraging us find contentment where you're at, yeah, right not where at. you someday want to be. Yeah. And I would say that's true no matter what you are, Well, you can still, you know, say what my, my vision for my life is to, to be with someone and, and create a family and those kinds of things. I think that's fantastic. But, but in, for all of us, we have to occupy our place on the timeline fully. And I have to live this day out without looking to the right or left and saying, I wish it was something else or I wish, you know. And that, that I think is really important. And I think those kinds of people are, are just happier and probably attractive and yeah. <laughs> as, a, as a text that just came in, uh, your opinion on believers dating non-believers? I, if it, when a, a married couple comes to me and saying our marriage is in trouble, I always say at first come together and say kingdom come into our relationship. We just prayed the Lord's Prayer, your will in my marriage as it is in heaven. I really am sad when people can't do that together. That's my opinion, is that you really, gosh, it's, it's so beautiful to be with someone with whom you can share purpose. And um, your system, your belief system is such an essential part of who you are. And you may not even know how essential it is to who you are until you're really in a forever relationship with someone who doesn't share it or raising children with someone who doesn't share it. Or, and I'm, I'm sure, you know, we could have... 30 people come up here tonight and say how that's played out in their lives. And yeah. not that it never works for people, but my opinion is I want to, I'd love to see people who can say kingdom yeah. come. And it's a difficult thing. I, I was even thinking about with my wife, it, I wanted to be a pastor and I want to minister to people and help people in that way. And that's the calling I believe that God has in my life. And, uh, but even if I wanted a job as a, you know, a radio personality or something like mm-hmm. that, and my wife just could not agree with me on that or mm-hmm. wouldn't want to move to a place uh, in a city where I could go and have a job like that, then that would probably, that wouldn't make her just the worst person in the world, but that would probably make the relationship a bit of a deal breaker because mm-hmm. this is something that is core and essential, I believe, to the calling that is on my life. And so mm-hmm. if your belief is so strong that it's guiding and steering the decisions of your life and the other person won't stand by and agree with that, it's going to be difficult to have a healthy relationship. Yeah, I think so too. You, you really think that being a radio personality is a deal breaker for you? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I once had aspirations, Evan. <laughs> now I've settled for this job. Just yeah. kidding. I'm just kidding. Well, people tell us we have uh, faces for radio. so That's, <laughs> that's what I hear. My wife think, tells think me that all that the time, speaking yeah. of relationships. <laughs> um, going back to that last comment, what about the couples uh, that the husband or the wife is sitting here in a relationship married maybe for 20 years to someone who is not a believer. And now they're saying, well, great, here I am. And I, we don't share purpose or we don't share faith. Um, what do I do? What, what's the answer there? And hmm, not that we have all the answers. Well, but. I think one person can pray kingdom come to yeah. just kingdom come into my relationship and into my marriage and into my future and my legacy and my children and my home. Yeah. Keep praying, keep believing that the God who makes all things new can make all things hmm. new. That's good. Um, I loved this quote uh, that you had in your message 
from uh, Henry Nouwen, and it says, aren't you like me hoping that some person, thing, or event will come along to give you that final feeling of inner well-being you desire? Don't you often hope may this book, idea, course, trip, a job, country, or relationship fulfill my deepest desire, but as long as you are waiting for that mysterious moment, you will go on running helter-skelter, always anxious and restless, always lustful and angry, never fully satisfied. You know that this is the compulsiveness that keeps us going and busy, but at the same time makes us wonder whether we are getting anywhere in the long run. This is the way to spiritual exhaustion and burnout. This is the way to spiritual death. Yeah. Strong words. Yeah, always searching. Paul called it always learning and never coming to the knowledge of the truth. Just grasping, 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 and never settling in to where you are and who you are and what you're called to be and do in that moment. Sometimes we're so looking for what's up ahead and what will become and what my life will look like then that we can't live in this moment and say, I'm embracing this time. And um, there's been a lot of those seasons in my life, a season of being a caregiver to my husband, a season of being a, a widow and trying to survive that idea of, I don't know what to do next. And now this season, and it's just, it, it's, I've just had to take it as it comes. Yeah, yeah. And some of the best <laughs> advice that I remember uh, you giving when I was young uh, was that in a relationship, um, neither one of us is going to be with the other person ultimately and in a yeah. in a real way needs. Yeah. Uh, we're never the answer to someone's deepest need for acceptance or love or yeah. there we're has to be something better outside. Half. Yeah. We're not. Yeah. <laughs> and we don't complete them. It, we, it, we need to, to be kind of complete and know who we are, I think, to walk into a relationship. Not that we're, we don't all need healing. And I think, you know, there's an idea I've got to be all put together before I go into a relationship. And I really think if you're broken in relationship, you, you heal inside relationship. There were things in me that I thought were healed until I was in a relationship. And I was like, oh, oops, that's, that, that's going to need some work. Yeah. Um, and you find that in marriage too. Like, oh, this stuff, I, it's the most unforgiving full-length mirror there ever was <laughs> being in a relationship. And so I think that we don't have to be perfectly put together, but it is good to know that we're complete in Jesus. Yeah. And I love uh, one of you guys texted in just now. For me, the foundation of our successful marriage has been an assurance of forgiveness. Yeah, so good. Yeah, I, yeah, I just think. When you know it's safe. Yeah. It's research is showing that safety in relationships is the big ticket item. Yeah. When you know you're safe in that relationship and they're not going anywhere, yeah. that's really, really big. Yeah. Um, this person uh, asked, how can married folks invest in the relationship and avoid the pitfalls during the little kid years? <laughs> oh, little kid years. You guys might want to answer that one. I don't have little kids anymore, but I, I think investing is the key. I do think, remember why you, why you got there. Remember what brought you there. Um, it wasn't probably a goal to have kids. And so always, I think, investing in your relationship and in your marriage is so, so important. And, and don't stop being curious about each other. What makes you tick? And who are you? And what do you want to do? And what do you want to be? And where would you go on vacation? Yeah. And I'm, I'm really bad at it. <laughs> I have a, a three-year-old and a nine-month-old. And uh, we're just kind of hitting that point where you just feel exhausted all the time. And any kind of investment or any time taken... 
just seems like a lot. And honestly, I'm, I'm an introverted kind of person. And so when my kids are just touching me all day and running all over and saying, dad, 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 and my wife is somebody that really likes to engage and um, externally process. And by the time the day ends and I could have some time with my wife, I just want to be like, everybody needs to go away. <laughs> and Rebecca's like, okay, I'll have everybody go away. I'm like, no, you need to go away too. <laughs> this is, this is Ben time. And, uh, and, and it's tough, but I do remember I got a piece of advice, uh, while I was engaged, I, I asked this guy that I really trust. I said, Hey, what's your best, what's your best marriage advice for me? He said, you got to make sure you love your wife while you have kids. And I was like, oh, that seems really simple. And then he said, because the kids are going to be gone someday and your wife is still going to be there. And I'm reminded often of that phrase when I'm most exhausted, just to be like, oh my gosh, this is the, this is the relationship, which sounds, it shouldn't be a revelation, right? But when I'm exhausted, it is a revelation for me that I have to keep coming back to this and back to this. And so do I have any tips for like, this is how you do it? We try to practice the Sabbath together as a family and as a couple Mm -hmm. so that we have 24 hours spent just with each other. Um, We've been struggling with that over the last two months. Um, but really it's that reminder. I have to have that reminder in my mind that, oh my, she's going to be there. We are going to be here together alone and hopefully loving each other instead of hating each other when all this, when all this comes down. We've got so many texts. We're going to try to get to a couple more of them here in just the last minute or two that we have. Um, how do you push your significant other to grow closer to the Lord? Oh, pushing's a great idea. <laughs> I'm so sorry, whoever texted that. Um, God is a good puller. He is. And I think it, we really just have to trust him. I honestly do. I, I don't think we can push anyone to grow closer to the Lord. I just don't. That's good. Um, one more, and then, uh, and then we'll uh, wrap this up. But... Uh, someone just said, just know there's a last time for everything. Last time changing a diaper. Someday that'll happen for me. Not yet. <laughs> last time feeding them. Last time saying goodbye to them on the bus. Last time holding them. So enjoy the time you have. Mm-hmm. And I would extend that, I think, uh, into marriages, into relationships. We have to be present in the moment that yeah. we are given. Yeah. This is all we have, right? It's true. And I read a recipe online the other day. And all the reviews, I always read reviews. They were like, it's so hard. It's so complicated. There's so much to chop and cook and peel. And it took me two hours. Right away. And one person just put this review that said, yep, it's called cooking. <laughs> and I feel that way about marriage. It's, that's called marriage. All of that stuff is part of it. It's called family. Yeah. And, and honestly, it's not to make anyone feel like guilty or anything, but but I'm alone a lot, and I remember those days, and and I and I do wish I would have embraced them more. It, but there, it's hard. It is yeah. these are hard seasons. They are, but just work for it because it's worth it. It's worth it when you get to the other side, and you feel like you've got all your time stretching ahead of you, but you may not. And just understand that you're going to get something different out of marriage than you even thought you would. You know, yeah. when you get married, everybody yeah. thinks, "Well, I need." I need the sex, the companionship, the romance, and all that stuff is great, and it should continue to happen. But what I got and I didn't know that I needed was accountability, yeah. was perspective from mm-hmm. somebody who sharpening. grew up and sees mm-hmm. things a completely different way that I do. You know, yeah, sharpening. Mm-hmm. So many things that have happened in my marriage have been really painful and really frustrating. 
And sometimes I feel like she's just trying to get at me, but really through it all, even through the difficult times, um, I've come out on the other side learning yeah. that I really don't know nearly as much as I thought I did. Yeah. yeah. Eugene Peterson said it well, and we'll close with this. He said, the only opportunity you will ever have to live by faith is in the circumstances you are provided this very day, this house you live in, this family you find yourself in, this job you've been given, the weather conditions that prevail at the moment. And so I think for all of us, married, single, dating, uh, wherever we're at on the kind of the spectrum of relationships, what we are given is this moment, and we ought to use it well and yep. find contentment uh, in it. So that's good. Good times. Good. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us for this live recording of Behind the Message. You can find us at behindthemessage.org. And I want to just say thank you, 530. You've been great. Yeah. So.